Welcome back for another episode of Tips with Salsa. Talk, tips, and tales from the nonprofit community. I'm Ben Lyon with Salsa Labs, and let's jump right in. Here with me today is Blake Groves, Vice President of Product and Partnerships with Salsa. I didn't want to fly solo today, Blake, so thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. I've been a long-time listener, first-time caller. Excited to be on the podcast. Very good. We also want to welcome in our guest for today's podcast, John Wheeler. John is the Associate Director, Digital Marketing for Save the Children, where he manages email and mobile fundraising and advocacy communications. Previously, John was a partner for Power Through Consulting, where he assisted many organizations and political campaigns in optimizing their online organizing platforms and web presence. He specialized in complex integrations, data migrations, and custom development on Salsa's legacy platform, Classic. I should also mention that John worked for Salsa Labs for several years, supporting enterprise-level clients in their use of the platform. John started his career managing the snail mail database for a member of Congress in the mid-90s, when there was no such thing yet as online advocacy or fundraising. John, thanks for joining us today. Very glad to be here. Awesome. So, you know, I think, um, you know, we, we, we've spoken in the past, and I think there's a ton of great stuff that we can get in here today uh, for our listeners on the podcast. So, you know, why don't we jump right in and, and have you tell us a little bit about, yeah, you know, what Save the Children Action Network's all about. Um, yeah, so Save the Children Action Network, we consider ourselves the political voice for kids, uh, really looking at the fact that, um, you know, kids don't, uh, contribute to political candidates. They don't vote in elections. So very often nobody's really looking out for their interests. Um, so we were founded in, um, in 2014. Uh, actually, Mark Schreiber of the uh, Schreiber family, uh, who was working at Save the Children for, uh, for a long time, decided uh, that he really needed to start an advocacy organization to kind of go beyond the direct service um, model that Save the Children has had for over 100 years, uh, really serving the needs of kids, uh, both internationally and in the U.S. And really look at, you know, it's not just about, uh, you know, making sure that individual children uh, have enough to eat or can go to school or don't have to worry, you know, if they're, they're refugees, they, uh, you know, have uh, someone taking care of uh, their medical needs. Um, but really looking at how do we change laws to just you know, make sure that, you know, the world is a better place for children to, uh, to grow up and, and thrive in. Sure. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, how technology has, has, has helped you with that, how technology has been important to advocacy? Yeah. Well, one thing that I've been, I've been really, um, impressed by, uh, the way our, uh, government relations team, Kind of utilizes uh, utilizes both online and offline organizing is um, you know they we've we've got a team of people who uh, are in charge of developing relationships on on Capitol Hill uh, and in uh, several states we've got state managers who work with uh, with key state legislators and so you know they're they're making phone calls they're getting to know the staff that handle their issues. Um, and, uh, you know, they're finding out tracking legislation as it passes through uh, different committees. Um, and then often, though, when they're making those phone calls to, you know, a committee chair from, from Iowa, um, they'll say, you know, this is important to us and it's also important to your constituents. We sent an email blast out and we got, uh, you know, 100 people from your district to, uh, to sign on to, you know, send you messages to sign on to our petition. Um, and they, they say that often really helps that, uh, you know, people know this is not just, uh, you know, an advocacy organization uh, that's, um, 
you know, getting in touch with them, but that there's, there's real people. That's, that's really cool. That's, that's really cool, John. Um, uh, curious because you, you kind of are in a, a unique position with the experience and tenure you've had in the space and the variety of roles you've played. You know, how have you noticed that that technology has evolved and sort of changed over time as, as we've moved through this? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, it is, it is, int- I definitely can remember as a, you know, 20 something working on the Hill managing, uh, you know, first, when I first started, we had, uh, you know, dumb terminals that, uh, you know, just these green screens and everything was text-based to, uh, to manage the, the mail operation. And it really was, it really was a mail operation back then, which, you know, there was, uh, you know, interns and staff assistants who you know, a couple hours a day would be opening envelopes and opening postcards and sorting them out. And then we'd be manually entering them into a database, assigning them to, uh, you know, letters that would go back to them. And then there was the fax machine, the actual fax machine that would be spitting out, you know, faxes that would come in um, and the phone calls that would be, you know, ringing off the hook, um, you know, Coming up, going, I, I did went back on the hill for a while, and it's it's a quieter place uh, without uh, you know without all of that you know more tangible uh, you know messages coming in. Um, and to be honest, in some ways, you know, it's it's we've tried getting people to make phone calls to Congress because there really is a difference in how it is perceived when the phones are ringing off the hook than when, you know, you're running a report from your, uh, you know, from your system saying, you know, we received, uh, you know, this many messages a day on this issue. Uh, so I still, still highly recommend groups that can get their people to make phone calls, do it. Yeah, there's something sort of like, you know, uh, that that's like the, the brass ring, like you imagine the, the switchboard melting down over an issue and the fax machine is just spitting out reams of paper, right? Um, And I'll tell you, being there in the in the mid 90s, you could tell he was just getting to start then. But you could tell when Rush Limbaugh was on the air, because all of a sudden you would get a bunch of phone calls about this kind of out in left field stuff. And we'd be like, Rush is talking about something and repeating that congressional switchboard number. And people are calling in all upset about whatever Rush just told them. I think it's interesting that you you know that you point that out, John, because that that kind of points to the intersection of the the traditional way, you know, getting sort of in their face, so to speak, and yet with the new technology, being able to reach more of your supporters, more of your constituents, getting that call to action out there and motivating them to do that, and and then getting better and better at the messaging to motivate to do them. So it, it's kind of interesting to me that the the new technology can really help you be more effective with an older approach, even if the final end result is, you know, you could have picked up, called them whenever, but, but now it's, it can be much more impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's, I think there's this tension about, you know, the much derided term of clicktivism, you know, how much does that, you know, people maybe, you know, how much are people really making an impact when they're, when they're signing a petition or sending a targeted message? Uh, You know, I still believe that they are. I think, um, you know, while in one individual message may not make a difference, the, the a congressional staff, they really do monitor this stuff. They really do kind of 
you know, if they're if they're smart, they really do keep their ear to what are people writing in about? What do people care about? Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. I, I think also it, it gives you a bigger pool of advocates that then you start to identify your super advocates that, you know, will do an office visit or will write a handwritten letter or will make the phone call. And and so having a bigger pool of just people that are interested in your issue, you know, is, is never a bad idea. So. Yep. Yep. And that's also, you know, going back to one of your previous questions about the way we do things um, at, uh, at SCAN, uh, Paper Children Action Network, also known as SCAN, um, is um, we, um, we have a volunteer leader program. Uh, you know, we work in about 10 different states and um, in each of those states, we've got a handful of people who uh, are in a, a two-year program uh, where they're Getting, we do trainings for them. Uh, you know, when before the pandemic, and you know, soon, hopefully, once it's over, uh, we fly them to to Washington for um, for an advocacy summit. Uh, we do summits back in their states. Um, we really train them to be uh, grassroots advocates to to meet with their members of Congress and talk to them about issues. Uh, we've actually pivoted that during the um, during the pandemic, uh, so they were doing a lot of uh, Zoom Zoom lobbying visits. Uh, with uh, with their members of Congress and their state legislators, um, but that looking to, you know one of the sources to find those people is to look you know run your reports to look at who's somebody you know who's been signing a lot of petitions or you know coming to a webinar and then you know reach out to them yeah uh, you know see if they want to get involved yeah that's great uh, John if you don't mind I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts yeah. you know we're hearing more and more about the regulatory environment. Um, and that because often because of the gridlock in Washington, that sometimes policy is being affected greatly by regulations that sort of operate outside of the, the normal zone that um, advocacy groups would play in. So just kind of curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah, so we, we haven't done a ton of those types of actions, although we, we've done a few. And um, I... <laughs> It's hard to judge the exact impact of that because I don't think we were able to keep the regulations that we wanted to um, uh, to not get uh, enacted, uh, you know, from from uh, from being enacted. Uh, we we did some stuff around. Uh, we we mobilized on um, uh, the issue for children trying to um, uh, get asylum in the U.S. and cross the border, and there were some regulations during the Trump administration that we were really opposed to. Uh, so we organized our um, uh, our activists to send messages uh, into DHS or Custom Border Protection. Um, one thing we found that was really important there is to try to get them to personalize those messages. Uh, that uh, their, their system is really set up that um, they view, they get, uh, you know, a thousand messages that are all identical. They treat that as one comment. Um, so we would, you know, really emphasize in the letter, uh, again, on the landing page to just, um, you know, say, please, uh, you know, please personalize your message. I think we may have also used your feature. I can't remember now where we set we could set up a couple of different uh, like a carousel of a carousel of approach, right? different options. I think we did create a few custom ones that way to, you know, increase the. Um, Increase the chance we were going to get um, we were going to get some variety, and we did. I think we I think we submitted something like six thousand um, comments, and 
maybe something like 10% of those ended up being customized. Um, okay. So yeah, we were, you know, we, we was better than not getting that 10%. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's interesting how much it's evolved, right? It, uh, with regulations.gov, just, it, it feels like with the current, as, as Blake pointed out, legislative environment, uh, you've got to get sharp in more than one area if you really want to affect policy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And thanks, Ben. I was going to just point out to the listeners that I, I believe what John was talking about was specifically regulations.gov and being able to interface directly to that. So you can you know, point your supporters to the specific commenting area where you need them to, to make an impact. Yeah. But actually, you know, from the sort of perspective of the supporter, they don't, they just know they're, if they're using Salsa's tools, they just know that they're going to a, a page where they can send a message and, um, you know, your tools make it really easy that they just, you know, much like they would send a message to their member of Congress, there's a pre-printed, you know, message. We ask them to send a little story as part of it. They click send and it's gone in. They don't have to go to, a, you know, a, another website. Uh, you guys did the interface for that. And I think you even, <laughs> there was a time we were trying to get it up and the, uh, the, you know, the government being what it was, it was changing the interface and it was, you know, I think there was like, different form on a different day so you guys had to uh you guys had to like you know grab it when it was working or something um but uh yeah it all worked it all worked really well i said it was a little crazy they basically told us we're going to change the api but we won't tell you exactly what date yet when it will change i said the, the federal government they, they seem to excel at making it easy uh, they really want to hear from you so they make it as easy as possible at least that's that's a joke for those of you listening who weren't aware that that was they're not funny if I have to point out that they're jokes, I suppose. Yeah. Um, well, we, we do find there's it is there's a bit of a nuance. And for groups that are trying to get into um, this area of, you know, regulating, uh, you know, comments for federal regulations, um, there's something kind of more tangible for people about send a message to your member of Congress. Uh, you know, they often know who that is or when they land on the, the page to take a targeted action. They see the picture of the person up there. It is a little bit more strange for them about like I'm going to be making a comment on a you know a possible federal regulation. I think as with anything in um, in email communication, just make it as simple as possible. You know, this is this is what is about to happen. This is why it's going to be bad for an issue that you care about. Here's what you can do to make a change. You know, click here, send a message. Help us help us keep this from happening. Yeah, I agree, and and that also goes back to the earlier comment we were talking about, just communicating with your supporters. You know, educating your supporters on the issues. So uh, the, I think you raise a really great point that um, you know we probably need to talk to some of our other clients and, and other nonprofits about uh, just in terms of educating your supporters on the importance of the whole regulatory environment and the need to to be involved in that. So great point. Um, John, can you tell us about some of the major campaigns that you're currently working on? Because you guys always have some really cool stuff going. And uh, I, I think it'd be great for the listeners to understand, you know, what it is you guys are in the middle of. Sure. So um, we've got really four major issue areas. Um, one of the sort of the first and what we've been working on for the longest time is that early childhood education, um, just really making sure that you know, kids have an opportunity to start school prepared 
Um, we've been longtime champions of, um, of the Head Start program. In fact, on our Save the Children C3 side, we actually run several Head Start programs uh, around the country. Um, and because studies show that kids who have a high quality uh, early learning experience are much better prepared to start kindergarten and better succeed throughout uh, the rest of their, uh, you know, the rest of their schooling and then and then throughout life. Um, so one of the big things we've been doing, well, during the pandemic, first of all, we did a ton to try to uh, save the childcare industry because what was happening, the way childcare is funded in the U.S., is that uh, you had childcare facilities around the country that were having to shut down because um, they were suddenly having to spend a lot more money on, um, you know, cleaning supplies and, and PPE. Um, and um, meanwhile, parents weren't sending their kids to, because uh, they were concerned about their kids' health uh, or that, you know, one parent was out of a job, so they just kept them at home. Uh, so we really worked to, you know, call attention to that. And then we were able to get, uh, you know, in, uh, billions of dollars for childcare in various uh, government uh, coronavirus rescue legislation. Uh, so now we're really working on what comes next, which is the um, both the American Jobs Plan, the infrastructure bill to make sure that childcare is going to be you know, really rebuilding the childcare industry in the U.S., um, you know, getting childcare centers set up in parts of the country. There's a concept of a childcare desert where there aren't enough seats to really meet the need of, of kids who need to be in child care. Um, and, uh, and then in the American Families Plan, which would just be this amazing, um, uh, amazing legislation to really transform the way we think about early childhood uh, education in the U.S. Hey, John, can we, uh, you know, t- taking that, it's all very cool stuff that you guys are doing, maybe peel back one layer of the onion and, and you know, give some of your sort of generic tips or pointers to other people that are looking to reach their constituents and motivate them on it. You know, whether that's some ideas on how you guys do targeting and segmentation or messaging or cadence, you know, whatever it is, I I, I think people with the success you guys have had, I think they'd love to hear. But if you had to kind of give some rules of thumb for people, what would you say? So I think a few things. Um, one is uh, we try to put people into kind of thematic groups about what issues they have tended to take an act take actions on. Um, so as I just mentioned, we work uh, with early ch- childhood education. Uh, as I mentioned before, we work on uh, issues affecting kids uh, trying to get asylum in the U.S. and cross the cross the U.S. border. Uh, we work on child hunger issues, and then we do have a whole area where we work with kids um, in refugee camps. Uh, we work on girls' education uh, overseas. So really looking at, you know, what thematic areas do people tend to take action in? Because um, sometimes you're just going to want to send an alert to somebody um, who, uh, you know, has shown that they care about about early childhood education issues, and they don't take action on, uh, you know, the southern border. Um, at the same time, we also want to track, we want to let people know about the different uh, areas of work that we do. So we have a group called Recent Action Takers. So, you know, if you've taken action, maybe in the last three months, you're still going to hear about our other issues. Um, our donors, obviously, we want to know, you know, have people donated in the last two years is usually our threshold. Um, they're kind of our, our, our recent donors. 
uh, recurring donors, obviously, uh, is another another segment, and making sure we're really nurturing them. Um, and then one of the other big big things is um, just making sure we're not not sending many emails to people if they haven't opened a message in the last six months, nine months. Um, you know, there may be a whole separate thing to talk about about email deliverability and inbox placement. That's always something where we have our eye on. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting topic because a lot of folks that we talk to, uh, as they're sort of you know talking to us about the tools and the approach, um, you know, the almost the intuitive idea there is, well, I need to send more email to try to get these folks hooked, you know, to get them back into the fold, which is that, you know, absolutely the, the approach you wouldn't want to take from a deliverability perspective. But uh, we, we talk to those folks all the time, at least on, you know, the sales and marketing teams here. It's also people who have sort of this, uh, that we, we talk to that maybe aren't as sort of well steeped in advocacy and uh, digital communications as you are. The, uh, the idea is, oh, I must not be saying what they want to hear. I need to say more. Mm -hmm. So just an interesting point. Yeah, so I think just a little bit more, as I said, peeling back the onion about this. So, you know, we usually will send a, you know, kind of a pretty broad email. We're sending out an alert about, you know, legislation that's up. Um, and uh, so we'll send a pretty broad alert. And then a couple of days later, we'll send a resend of the same message, usually with, uh, you know, it's, it's the same exact message uh, with then just, you know, an intro at the top. Uh, hey, just wanted to make sure you saw this message from a few days ago. Um, we'll suppress the people who took that action uh, previously. Often I'll tighten up the segmentation on that. So I'll just send it to people who have taken action before, but didn't take action on this message. Um, and then, you know, about the people who aren't opening messages, you know, when we see a message that has performed really well, uh, looking at open rates, looking at one of my favorites is the, um, is the clicks to opens of the people who opened your message, how many people actually clicked on it. Um, we'll then uh, do a re-engagement message, which is, you know, send it to the people who maybe opened a message uh, within the last six months, but haven't opened a message uh, within the last year um, and see if you can, see if you can win them back. Um, but it really helps to do that with, a message that you've already seen performs well to, uh, you know, to your sort of that uh, more frequent opener segment. Awesome. That's great. Thanks. Very helpful, John. I, I want to circle back for just a second because it's kind of my, one of my personal hot button issues, which is, is list growth. And often when I'll talk to organizations and talk to them about list growth, their idea of list growth is getting more people to donate or take action because then they're on your list. And, you know, I like to talk to them about the importance of just, pure list growth campaigns where your goal is to get them to sign up so that you're always keeping that top of the funnel filled in. I just kind of like to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I, um, you know, acquisition is a, you know, a major part of, uh, you know, what you do as an, as an email marketer, because you're constantly going to be fighting list churn. Um, you know, the people who are unsubscribing, the people who just aren't opening, uh, you know, just having a nice looking website with an email sign up form is is not enough. Um, so often a huge part of this, uh, you know, field is also you need to be uh, have some focus on um, on digital advertising on, you know, are you putting out uh, ads there to get people to come to your website and sending them, you know, not just sending them to your website, but also sending them to the to an action page, to a, you know, a form that they can fill out 
and in the course of doing so, sign up to get on your email list. Um, same thing with social media, you know, getting your, you know, putting your actions up on your website, um, you know, invitations to get people involved. Um, and then, uh, you know, with social media, you're often going to have to pay for people to actually see it. So putting, putting money into promoting posts or doing other sorts of, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram advertising. Great. John, you guys have had some really great successes lately. Um, you know, I thought maybe you might want to share with the people some of the areas where you guys have have really done some amazing things recently. Yeah, so at our at our state level, um, they've been uh, they've really been getting a lot accomplished. Um, you know, in Colorado, uh, New Mexico, they've we were really worried actually going into uh, going into 2000 when the pandemic hit that we were going to, um, you know, really see state legislatures slashing their budgets and, you know, cutting that, you know, some of the first programs that uh, are on the chopping block or are, are programs that, that help kids and help, help poor kids particularly. Um, but in many ways, the opposite happened. Uh, we were through, you know, a lot of grassroots lobbying from us and partners. Um, that's another thing, actually, is that the work the work we do, we don't do alone. Uh, the work we do, we're constantly working in coalition with other with other organizations uh, to make sure that we're you know we're lifting up each other's voices. Uh, but you know, through this through this coalition work, through our grassroots work, we were able to get you know not just keep uh, states from cutting their budgets, but to actually get them to expand it and to set up you know for the first time. Uh, you know, child care programs in, you know, in, in New Mexico and in Colorado and other states. That's fantastic. Nice job. Hey, John, I'd like to close by asking you, uh, I, I want to make sure that our listeners uh, might not be thinking, well, this is great for Save the Children Action Network. They've got John heading it up. They've got all these great technical resources. They've got a bunch of staff. You know, it's a big organization. I, I'm some small nonprofit. This isn't applicable to me. But I know in your roles, you've worked with all sizes of organizations. So maybe just a couple of comments to some of the smaller, mid-sized organizations about the importance of making sure they're, you know, and investing in this type of approach. Um, yeah. So yeah, like you said, I, I for years I was working as a working as a consultant for some for some small groups, and um, you know, it's you need to have a little bit of a budget to work in here. I mean, to to get a tool that is going to enable you to send emails and accept donations and uh, set up online actions. You know, it's, uh, there's, uh, it's not a you know, huge expense, but you know, there's a little bit of a cost. Um, but then, uh, you know, it really, it really pays off, you know, particularly if you, you know, a tool that can allow donors to, to give money online um, will, you know, ultimately help you fund the rest of the rest of this program. Um, and then, um, you know, it, it, there's, there's resources out there, there's webinars, there's, um, there's uh, email lists you can sign up for to sort of learn best practices. You don't have to, you know, get a degree in this kind of work. Um, I think you just have to understand what are the types of, um, of techniques and tactics that, that work really well. Um, and then, um, you know, it's really just a matter of, you know, following some of those tactics and, um, you know, just communicating in a clear and simple way that can get your supporters to see how by 
getting engaged, by taking action, by donating money, uh, they'll be making an issue about, uh, they'll be making a difference about an issue that they care about.